0: Welcome to Knocked Up, the podcast with Dr. Radia Liu from Women's Health Melbourne. Hi, Radia. Hi. Today we are talking about egg freezing, which is actually known as social egg freezing. Why is it called social egg freezing?
1: Look, I hate the term social egg freezing and I'm doing my very best in Australia to try and influence my colleagues to drop that term Entirely, because I think it's really pejorative. Um, But the reason that um, I guess egg freezing was dubbed social uh, is that it's a word that's been used to kind of say it's non-medical, that it's kind of a lifestyle choice or it's a, uh, I guess, something you do uh, because... Of social reasons and, and I guess that's a kind of way of saying for women who don't have a partner.
0: Ah, oh, okay. So we're sort of being a little bit politically correct.
1: I don't know how politically correct it is. I, I don't
0: I don't think it is at all. <laughs> I don't at all. It's not yeah. at all. Yeah.
1: And it's another I, I think it's throwing daggers to be honest. I mean I, I think it's saying, you know, that women who either haven't chosen to um find a partner because it's such a choice um have made a social decision not to have children or women it does imply women also who've sought educational goals or career goals or uh any other reason for not getting pregnant immediately uh, have have made a social choice and it's on their social agenda so that's why it was dubbed social egg freezing um Yeah, and personally, I find that quite offensive. So I really hate the term social egg freezing, and I use the term elective egg freezing when women elect to freeze their eggs for non-medical reasons. Um, Medical reasons for egg freezing uh, are very few, and uh, so the majority of women who do freeze eggs do it electively. When we do emergency egg freezing or medical egg freezing, that's something that... Uh, is in the context, for example, of a cancer diagnosis where a woman is imminently going to have chemotherapy and uh, in order to salvage her potential to have a baby in the future in view of the fact that she's about to have a really big insult to her ovary, uh, that we put eggs away in an emergency-style situation very quickly. Mm -hmm. So that's what is generally meant by medical egg freezing.
0: It's a bit of a luxury, a social egg freeze, because it's, it's quite expensive and it is completely elective, as you say. What, what are the main reasons
1: that people freeze their eggs? So overwhelmingly in my practice, uh, the reason that women freeze eggs is that they are thinking about their fertility. Often they're getting a little bit older Ideally, I mean the ideal candidate to freeze eggs is someone young and healthy and proactive but uh, lots of women in my practice are in their kind of mid-30s, approaching or beyond 35 and uh, have been educated and know that fertility does decline naturally and it does become much more difficult to get pregnant at an older age and at that point in time they've thought about having a baby and for various reasons, that's not possible for them. Uh, and, you know, there are some women who at that point take a fork in the road and do decide to have a baby, even if they're single, with the help of donor sperm. And I've, I've helped lots of women successfully in that situation. But single parenthood is not for everyone.
0: No, no, it's, def- it's definitely not for everyone. It's something to really consider. Yeah. Is there an age limit on freezing your eggs?
1: There's not. An age limit on freezing your eggs per se, uh, except that in terms of IVF treatment, in general, there's an age limit of 45 years and 11 months uh, on using your own eggs for any kind of treatment. So certainly that would apply to egg freezing as well. But it's not really about kind of a doctor being a policeman or a policewoman Uh, in terms of telling someone they can or can't freeze their eggs, what your doctor should tell you is your prognosis to have a baby from the eggs you freeze. And then it should be a woman's choice as to whether she decides to freeze eggs or not. But as women do get older, the prognosis of having a baby, their chance of having a baby with a frozen egg becomes less and less. And so while there isn't an age limit, I actively encourage women over usually about 38, to strongly consider whether they might try and have a baby now as an alternative to egg freezing. If the answer is no, then I'll do everything to support them if they want to freeze their eggs, given that I ensure they're fully informed of their chances of having a baby. How much
0: is freezing your eggs an insurance policy. People refer to it a lot as an insurance policy. We know that in Silicon Valley, like Facebook and Google are offering egg freezing as like a benefit um, to help women have their careers. But really, how much is it that in- offer that insurance to someone?
1: If women froze their eggs when they were 18 years old and they froze 30 or 40, then that could be considered a good insurance policy. However, in Victoria, you can only keep your eggs frozen for 10 years. That's not actually true but we, we live in a state where there's a lot of um, state-mandated clauses on, on IVF and, for example, Victoria is a state where in order to have IVF to have a baby, you have to have police checks, child protection checks. There's a lot of state intervention. There's paperwork you need to do and you need to actually formally apply to keep eggs frozen for more than 10 years in Victoria. But uh, to my knowledge, I haven't had any patients that have been denied that opportunity uh, to keep their eggs frozen if they have applied. It's really, I think, the state of Victoria trying to put a disincentive for women who aren't going to use their eggs not to make a decision about them and just keep them frozen For a really long period of time so that the women who do choose to keep their eggs frozen for longer than 10 years... ...actively choose to keep them frozen. Yeah. And there is actually a caveat that in women who are very young and are having cancer treatment, um, that 10-year limit doesn't apply.
0: Okay. Okay. So let's forget the 10 years then. So 18 is the ideal time to freeze because that's when you're super fertile, lots of eggs, one treatment, you'll get lots...
1: Look, I actually don't think 18 is the ideal time to freeze. I mean, from a biological perspective, probably, yes. Um, The younger you are, the better it is. But certainly if we froze eggs for every 18-year-old, most would never need to use them because most women do have children um, either naturally or with assistance uh, in in the timeframe. The problem is that... By the time women do come to consider egg freezing, they've self-selected into a very high-risk group for missing out on having a baby with their own egg. Another important point is that women who freeze eggs do so for one important reason, to keep the door open and opportunities open to have a baby with a genetic connection to them. You can have a baby later in life if you can't conceive naturally or if year fails with your own egg with an egg from a donor uh, without freezing any eggs. So really it's not about whether you can have a baby or not, it's whether you can have a baby using your own egg. And that's really important to women. Women feel very strongly that they'd like to have a child with a genetic connection to share not only the experience but also, you know, genetic characteristics to be related to other members of their family and and innately we do uh, feel very tribal and there's a strong kind of...
0: You want want the baby that you carry for nine months to be your baby.
1: Yeah, and look, I, I think... I think, again, that's complicated because, you know, I've helped lots of people conceive with donor eggs and they do feel that it's their baby. It's just that the DNA from the egg doesn't come from their family tree. Um, So it's a really complicated issue and, and there's no right answer. The reason I say it's not an insurance policy is that it's not a guarantee and every woman who freezes eggs under my care has heard me say that it's not a guarantee that you'll definitely be able to have a baby with these eggs. They represent a finite number of opportunities with which you may try to have a baby in the future and the younger you were when you put those eggs away and the more eggs that have been put away the better your chances overall of achieving one or more babies using your frozen eggs. And in terms of uh, context for that, you know, there's not necessarily a baby in every batch of eggs. And in IVF, the average number of total IVF cycles to achieve a live birth in Australia and New Zealand is 26 So putting one batch of eggs away in the freezer if you freeze 10 or 12 Mm -hmm. certainly can't be viewed as an insurance policy.
0: So that's quite high, 2.6 cycles to get a baby. Yeah, that's quite high.
1: What that means is about half the people who have IVF in Australia and are successful have more than three cycles.
0: That's much more than people consider, I think, yeah. With egg freezing, how does the process differ from IVF?
1: It's very similar and in some aspects, importantly, different. So egg freezing is not aiming to make a baby now. So we, we really can leave a few things that are really important in IVF, like preparing the uterus to be receptive to an embryo implanting, out of the kind of plan And in terms of the experience of a patient going through egg freezing, they don't have to do those mandatory checks in Victoria with police checks and child protection checks and the counselling session is a lot less complicated for egg freezing. Uh, It's important to know all of those things about the legislation in Victoria and, and that is hopefully explained in detail in a professional counselling session before egg freezing treatments. It's a bit of preparation. Your doctor should explain the process of IVF stimulation or or follicle-stimulating hormone treatment, which lasts about 10 days, And should also explain potential complications such as hyperstimulation syndrome, although that is incredibly rare in egg freezing using modern medications. And even in women who collect really large numbers of eggs, usually hyperstimulation syndrome can be avoided. So um, whereas in IVF um hyperstimulation can happen when a woman has large numbers of eggs collected in a cycle and subsequently conceives in that same month
0: ah oh, okay yeah but otherwise it's it's quite rare
1: yeah Yeah, so also doctors should explain the potential complications of the egg collection procedure. It's actually a very safe procedure uh, and when done in, you know, experienced hands, it rarely is complicated. Um, Of course, there's a 1 in 1,500 risk that something goes wrong And that can be, for example, excessive bleeding from the ovary, getting an infection, having an ovary twist on itself called torsion, having damage to structures in the pelvis with the needle that's used to collect the eggs, um, because the needle is passed through the roof of the vagina while the patient's asleep. And what I do when I perform an egg collection, I, I gently compress the ovary against an ultrasound probe. And I immobilise the ovary so it's nice and still while I'm watching in, you know, live time on ultrasound vision. And I place a little needle inside each what we call egg sac or follicle. Now, the egg itself is microscopic and I do not see the egg during the procedure. What I see is the follicle which is filled with fluid and I see it collapsing as the is drained under what we call suction aspiration through the needle And I get some feedback in the little test tube because while there's still some fluid there, there's little drips that go into the test tube of that follicular fluid. And once I've drained one follicle, I move on to the next and the next and drain every single follicle in the ovary and then move on to the other side and drain all the follicles in that ovary. Meanwhile, the test tubes containing the fluid from the follicles goes to a scientist who's co-located in the theatre and they use a microscope to search for the eggs. How many eggs would you hope to get in egg freezing? So the way I explain this to my patients is that, you know, just like any other biological characteristic, uh, every woman's ovary is different and also every cycle there's a little bit of variation. So I will counsel my patients individually as to how many eggs I expect them to achieve per cycle. Some women can achieve 20 or 30 eggs in one go, Some women can achieve only four or five in one go and you can see while costs of treatment are charged per cycle and the yield of each cycle can vary vastly from woman to woman, egg freezing as a strategy can be much more cost effective for a woman if she's got a more powerful ovary.
0: And how do we know how powerful her ovaries might be?
1: There are some tests we can do when we're talking about egg freezing and thinking about it as a strategy. So we measure what's known as the ovarian reserve. You can measure it chemically using a test called the AMH or anti-malarian hormone. Um, Or you can measure it through imaging, looking at how the ovary is behaving at the early phases of the menstrual cycle. And you can see what's called antral follicle development and do a so-called antral follicle count. So counting the little follicles on the ovary, which are the little egg sacs, that might be able to be recruited into a cycle. So the AMH test is a blood test. And what kind of numbers would you be seeing? You can see a whole range. So, uh, you know, you could have an AMH less than one in someone who's got an ovary that's very quiet and, and hasn't got many follicles. You can have an AMH that's, you know, kind of over 100 in someone who has polycystic ovarian syndrome. So there's such a wide variety. And do you know what? Both of those women, if they're ovulating, might have the same chance of getting pregnant naturally. So it's, it's a complicated test to interpret. Um, many women freak out if they find their AMH is low um, or even just a little bit lower than average. And it, it isn't an indication of their current chance of getting pregnant uh, it does have some implications as to their chance of getting a good egg within a batch of eggs because the more eggs we collect, the better chance we have statistically of making a baby per cycle. Uh, but it doesn't uh, kind of mean that when they try naturally they'll have trouble. You, you talk about having like
0: a good egg in the batch and the size of the batch depends on how many potential good eggs. How At what stage do you know if an egg is good?
1: So there's a limited amount of information we know about eggs when we freeze them and the reason is that eggs are a single cell and to do any meaningful testing of their DNA, you destroy them. So really we look at their physical characteristics. We can look in various ways. We can look, for example, uh, as to whether they've shown physical signs of completing what we call meiosis one, which is kind of a, a form of cell division where eggs chuck out an extra package of DNA and um, they still have double the amount of DNA they're going to give to a baby eventually when we call them mature eggs and we freeze them and that second really major division happens to chuck out the the last package of DNA when the sperm goes in. So there, there can be perfect eggs in the freezer that make downstream mistakes in terms of making babies. Another important thing to talk about egg quality It's only half of the equation and the sperm a woman brings to the table when she decides to use her frozen eggs will also contribute significantly to her chance of having a baby. So if you've got your eggs in the freezer and you find a 25-year-old donor or a 25-year-old partner with healthy sperm, your chance of using those same frozen eggs successfully are going to be much better than if you have a 65-year-old partner because of DNA damage in the sperm. So there's so many factors that that really are outside of our control and that's really why I say it's not an insurance policy.
0: When it comes to um, the cost involved in all of this, is Medicare supportive or because this is elective
1: you have to pay for it all up front? Yeah, Medicare doesn't support us in freezing eggs electively. Uh, It may change one day. I'm not holding my breath. Uh, At the moment, it's considered a completely kind of um, luxury. luxury.
0: I think of this as, you know, you want a Birkin, but you're freezing your eggs. Like, this is an absolute luxury
1: look we're very lucky to be in this generation and have it as a possibility because you know in generations past it just was not on the table it was only deemed non experimental to freeze eggs in 2012 that recently yeah. oh so
0: i've heard a bit about cheap egg freezing or low cost egg freezing how how low cost is low cost and where are the corners being cut and what impact is that having
1: Yeah, low-cost egg freezing is a bit of a misnomer because you you really can't access this technology for, you know, under several thousand dollars. So uh, how how would you cut the cost of egg freezing? Well, you can use a second-class laboratory where there's not been any record of babies made from frozen eggs. Um, You can ditch any research potential at the time. So some laboratories, you know, that like where I work at Melbourne IVF when when I do my egg freezing and it is a top-class laboratory. Egg freezing has happened there for 30 years, even when it was just experimental. And we've got a history of babies being born. It's always a, it's a shifting goal in that, you know, more and more babies are every day being born um, at Melbourne IVF and, and the frozen eggs that we've kind of used even 10, 15 years ago from cancer survivors... Um, you know, kind of can be used now. There's options for reducing the drug costs of egg freezing by giving suboptimal doses Mm -hmm. to patients. There's options for reducing the surgical cost by doing the procedure without an anaesthetic.
0: If you were receiving suboptimal levels of the drugs, would that mean you'd actually have a significantly lower result
1: and probably need to have more cycles? Yeah, it does. So it's it's just, you know, kind of it means that the the cost effectiveness per cycle is reduced. Uh, so, look, there's there's ways to try and cut corners but in reality, my advice to women who are considering egg freezing is if you're going to such a length and such an expense in order to provide yourself with, you know, opportunities for the future you want to give yourself the best possible chance and you want to choose a doctor who personally looks after you during the process um, rather than a kind of production line style low-cost clinic and uh, you want to choose a laboratory that has both the cutting-edge science and the expertise at making babies from frozen eggs and a proven track record of doing so Uh, because otherwise uh, you don't know what kind of resource you're creating for yourself.
0: So that really comes under things to think about when you're finding your specialist. What else should you be looking for?
1: Look, I, I think, you know, everybody's different uh, and I think it's important to find someone that you gel with and someone who is really qualified. Uh, the top specialists in Australia have CREI qualification, which is a subspecialty qualification above and beyond the Fellowship of the Royal Australian College of OG. not everywhere can someone access a CREI. Um, certainly it's more uh, common to be able to see a doctor who's a subspecialist in a capital city. Uh, in terms of uh, location, you know that's also something you might think about. Uh, you know you don't want to freeze your eggs and um, move them mm-hmm. because w- whenever you move eggs, uh, you put them at risk. They're under stable conditions and they're safe in the laboratory. And um, when you move them around on a truck or an aeroplane, you know, you can lose them if they uh, are not in constant conditions. So I'd recommend if women do move around, um, as we all do from time to time, um, if they relocate, that you go back to use your eggs and you you be the one on the plane or the train right. and um and um keep your eggs frozen where they are
0: okay so i'm just going to
1: refer listeners back to our podcast about um
0: how choosing your doctor where we go into a bit more detail about qualifications and what to look for because it would it's exactly the same whether undergoing ivf or freezing your eggs what to look for really
1: And there's a lot more information about egg freezing uh, on my website at www.womenshealthmelbourne.com.au. What are
0: some pros and cons of egg freezing?
1: So, look, there's lots of pros of egg freezing and, and there's some cons. So the pros of egg freezing are that you create this resource for your future and it may be a resource that helps you have a baby when you couldn't otherwise have one with a genetic connection or it may be a resource that if you do conceive naturally um, will allow you to have more than one baby subsequently down the line when you're a little bit older and it may allow some women to have the ideal number of children when otherwise nature might have put a stop on that. Uh, It also creates a resource that can be altruistically used by another person. So if you don't use your eggs, you can donate them and help somebody who is unable to have a baby using their own egg. So there's a multitude of of good things that come out of egg freezing. Um, Women who freeze eggs and subsequently decide not to use them have done so on their own terms and may feel a sense of closure in their decision not to have children. Um, Women who don't freeze eggs and decide that they want to have children and need a donor egg do go through a grieving process um, inevitably that they've not been able to use their own egg so sometimes um, you know kind of proactive action may prevent emotional harm in that way. Now the cons of freezing eggs are that it is expensive it's not only the upfront cost but also the cost of ongoing storage um, which is generally charged annually in the vicinity of you know, a couple of hundred dollars to um, to keep them stored for every six months. In terms of other cons, well, women may never need to use their eggs and they may not want to donate them to someone else. So in that case, they've gone through a treatment that's not been um, kind of needed for them. Uh, I don't have many patients who've ed- expressed regret in freezing their eggs. Uh, because I think women who do decide to freeze their eggs do consider it really carefully and I always counsel my patients extremely realistically. So when when women do make a decision to proceed, they've really thought about it and they've decided that that's what they want to do. Uh, in terms of other cons, well, uh, I can't really think of any other cons. Can you think of any other cons? The only thing I can think
0: of but obviously you're freezing your eggs is that there's such there's a greater success rate of getting a pregnancy from a frozen embryo compared to a frozen egg. What
1: What's involved in that? So it's important with embryos um, to understand that if you don't have a partner, there are no donor programs that I know of that will allow you to freeze embryos with donor sperm. And if you freeze, let's just say hypothetically though, let's just say you had a known donor, and you decided to freeze embryos with your known donor, if you had a partner years down the track, and you decided that you'd like to have a baby with your partner, those embryos have the DNA from the donor, whereas the eggs have the potential to have a child that's related both to you and your partner. Embryos do have better potential than eggs, but it's because... They're not comparable. So embryos have jumped through lots of hoops. Not every egg can be an embryo. So by, by virtue of the fact that it's gone on to develop to be an embryo, an embryo has jumped through lots of hoops and, and it's, it's a much more advanced kind of being than an egg. And um, not ev- So for example, from 10 eggs, the average number of embryos that I would expect to develop to what's called a blastocyst stage would only be two or three. So, it, But, you know, from that batch of eggs, you'd have the same number of babies. So it's a little bit kind of like we're not talking apples and apples. It's
0: different, sta- it's different stages in the process. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, in terms of embryo freezing for cancer patients, um, sometimes I try and talk them out of it. And sometimes I try and um, encourage them to do it. So... Why? It's really because if a relationship breaks up and you've frozen embryos, especially in that high stress situation of cancer patients, especially if it's not a stable relationship, I've never had a single patient in my experience where they've broken up from their partner and their partners allowed them to use the frozen embryos that have their DNA. And so this woman may have gone through hell and back frozen embryos at the end of the day not being able to use them whereas eggs belong to you um, you don't have to compromise Um, nobody can tell you not to use them if your relationship breaks down and you have a new relationship you can use your eggs with a partner a new partner you can use your eggs with a donor so really there's a lot more control a woman has over eggs than embryos eggs are also I believe a lot less loaded as an issue because if you do decide not to use them they're just like a cell from your body they're not a potential baby and so getting rid of them or you know kind of donating them or not using them, or not using them it's your decision and it's not such a difficult decision this is almost a bit ridiculous but it's something we all think about are you going to gain weight when you freeze your eggs So you shouldn't. You might temporarily gain fluid because whenever you go through IVF treatment you can fluid retain but uh, unless you're totally stressed out and you're someone who kind of like me sometimes uses the fridge as a psychiatrist, (laughs) um, you should not gain weight from the process. The drugs don't make you put on weight. If you eat more during the cycle and the lead up to the cycle, yes, it's possible that you might gain weight but same as any situation.
0: It's it's only a two-week cycle, so how how much eating can you do in that two weeks? Okay. Um, I also just want to
1: refer people
0: to your website which is womenshealthmelbourne.com.au and there's a few blog posts on there regarding egg freezing embryo freezing also just the general process of IVF and also one of our early earliest podcasts what is IVF we go through the process in detail of what happens and it's worth keeping in mind that it's almost identical procedure freezing your eggs as to the first half of IVF Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Knocked Up, the podcast. As always, for more information about Dr. Radia Liu and Women's Health Melbourne, you can go to the website or find us on, on the socials under Women's Health Melbourne. We'll be back next week.